Um, happy Father's Day to all our dads. Let's give them one more round of applause. We honour all our fathers in the house, grandfathers in the house. Uh, we are blessed with some awesome dads um, and awesome grandfathers. Um, so yeah, we just honour you and, and we've got a Burrible special after the service. So grab hold of that. We've prayed over them. Dads who eat those Burrible rolls. They go to a whole other level of strength. They start winning tow trek competitions, and it's just incredible. We've put stuff in. Clearly, we've put some stuff inside there, but we, it's all legal. You know what I mean? Uh, but but it'll help you. It's only a bad joke. But anyway, eat the burrowish rolls, and then um, use the photo booth as well. Uh, just to have some fun. But we we're always wanting to create a family environment uh, for the whole family, and so I trust that you can enjoy that. Uh, we've been going through the Book of Galatians. And today's the last day uh, that we're going to be looking at this book. Uh, From next week, we're going to be doing an encounter series. We're going to look at men and women who had encounters with God and what it led to. That every encounter has a two, it has a next step. And that God pours out His Spirit on us for a purpose. Um, After that, we'll go into a fast season. um, And we're going to have five nights of worship at the church. And it's just a reset moment. So I encourage you to uh, use that moment to draw close to God to, so he'll come, he can come close to you. That's what the promise is. And just so you can start to hear from God again. God, what do you want to remind me of this, in the middle of the year? Or what do you want to um, let me see? What wisdom do you want to give me for what's ahead the next six months? So, so we fast to, to get onto God's agenda, not for God to get onto our agenda. But even as we fast, we can bring our request before God. Uh, there's a momentum in our prayers. So, so I encourage you to do that. You might have a prayer list that you're praying over for your family, for your marriage. So do, I encourage you to do that. And then we are going to be doing a series built to last, and it's about building with um, heaven in mind and understanding that we're going to live for eternity, that we are going to be living this temporary life, but we don't want to build just for the temporary. We want to build for, uh, with eternal foundations. Um, so don't miss out on that. But Galatians 4 is the, uh, the chapter we're going to be reading from, and I'm going to read seven verses. And it says, what, am I say- what I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. Before I want to go any further, Paul's speaking to us, and he's trying to help us understand what it is to live in freedom. Um, in the book of Galatians, uh, the Galatian church was experiencing um, misinformation from Jewish leaders. And they were saying, you know, you saved, but you should also obey the law. And Paul pointed out that if you love God and love people, all the laws fulfilled. Um, he, others were, uh, the, um, other leaders were also saying, you know, you need to do more to get saved. You need to be circumcised like us, uh, us Jewish leaders. And they were, they were adding to the gospel. And Paul was pointing out that if you add anything to the gospel, you lose all of its power. Jesus is the gospel, and Jesus is the one who gets all the glory. God decided we should be saved. Jesus came to the earth, died for us, and and so all the glory goes to God. But as soon as you start to add to the gospel, try to find your own way to God, you start to live a life, and you try to actually glorify yourself, because that's what these Jewish leaders were doing. They were going, yeah, we're circumcised. We obey the law. And, and they, were, they were saying, look at us. And, and Paul was saying, once you start to look at yourself, you've taken your eyes off Christ. You have to keep looking at God. You have to look at Jesus. And so then he goes on to explain what it means to be free. So he points out, like I said in the front end, if a child is underage, he's no different to a slave, even though he owns the whole estate because it's in his name, in his future. The area is subject, verse 2, 
to the guardians and trustees until the time set by the Father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, the Spirit who calls out Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God has made you also an heir. So we not only see that, that you have to come of age. That's what Paul is speaking about spiritually. Uh, but that Jesus actually set it in motion when He came to earth. And, and even as He did that, we also get a deposit of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God causes us, causes us to cry out, Abba, Father. And I'll explain all these things. And, and that also brings about confidence because now you see that you actually have an inheritance because you are a child of God. So, so Paul pauses um, and he focuses on this truth if you look at the book of Galatians. And he illustrates um, sonship. He points out that a young child, um, while he's at a certain age, even though he's got this future estate in front of him, he's still in pretty much living like a slave. And until he comes of age, he can't actually... Um, he, and until he comes of age, he, he actually doesn't step into his inheritance. And, and for some of us, um, we might be living, even though we're free, we might be living as slaves. Because Paul actually points out three categories of why people actually don't come of age or why they wouldn't spiritually have come of age. Now, in the Roman time, a child uh, would be a minor until the age of 14, and then he would be under trustees until the age of 25. Um, then only at that age would they see him as somebody who's come of age. And not until then uh, could the, the youth, that they would call them, exercise complete independent control over his estate. And so Paul points out that even though he's got this future, he's no different to the slave in the household. Um, the slave was in the house, working the house, getting to eat in that house, but he, he couldn't live like the one who owned the house. So if you study the Scripture, Paul first points out that the Jewish nation uh, in the Old Testament would have been like slaves. Even though they had this God promise that God had for them, they couldn't experience the fullness of the promise because they were still living under the sacrifice, the old sacrifice that they made of animals. And the blood of the animal would not be a permanent, um, um, wouldn't bring about permanent fulfillment that God had promised. Where Jesus' blood would pay for our sins, they had to continually sacrifice animals. Of course, what we see there is the yearly and every few months sacrificing of animals was a sign that that sacrifice wasn't complete. And, and so Paul said that's a category of people who are living not in their sonship. And the word sonship is a full word, so, so it would be for, as a son or a daughter of God. And they couldn't because Jesus had not yet died on the cross 
to pay the price of their sin. Hebrews 10 verse 1 says, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the reality themselves. So they were living in the law. For this reason, it could never, um, it, it can never, by the same sacrifice repeatedly, um, for this reason, it can never, and then comma, by the same sacrifice repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to, um, to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So Paul says that's the first category of people uh, who were, and, and he's speaking to these, this, this Galatian community and, and Jewish uh, believers as well, saying those people would never experience sonship. They understood there was a promise, but they couldn't fully experience it. The second grouping of people he was speaking about was, was all humans. He, he was saying that, that all humans are basically um, under the principles of the world. They, they actually have lived in sin, and the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. But of course, we see the gift of God is eternal life. So, so Paul then says, everyone's also caught, caught up in this category that everyone can't live as sons until they understand that somebody has to pay the price for their sin. Um, and, and no one is, you know what I mean? You can say, well, I don't go to church and I've never heard the gospel. Paul's saying, everyone is, is under that law. And, and he says, you see it in the worry and the anxiety and, and the burden because they're desperately trying to fulfill some standard. They don't understand that, yes, the law is, is the standard and, and, and the law shows you that you need a Savior. But, but they might not be seeing the law, but they are living anxiously trying to fulfill some standard or connect with some um, divine being, uh, but they don't know how to get there and they experience the burden of trying to connect. Uh, but they can't. And so, so he says that's also a category of men and women who aren't living in their freedom. The, the last category he points out, if you say this gospel, is actually people who are saved. And, and even though Jesus paid the price for their sin, they actually, in a way, handed the, the, the gift back and said, I'm going to try to get there myself. And he says, some of you, that's what you're doing. The Galatians, you're saying, you know, you're doing well, but if you fulfill the law, if you get circumcised, he says, you are trying to hand in the free gift of salvation, saying, I'm going to try to get there myself. And you will also never come of age. So, so he's saying all these people have not come of age. In his illustration, uh, the person who's living under the Mosaic law and not seeing Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice. The, anyone in the planet who, who's trying to actually connect with, um, with God, but they don't know how, but they're living under the, 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 way, the law of sin, with the wage of sin is death. And, and then others who are saved and they're actually, they, they are saved, but they're actually trying to pay for their own sin. And, and, and they actually, even though they're a child of God, they're actually living like slaves. Paul points out then, if you look at the scripture, that, that the only way to come of age is to look at Jesus. The only way to come of age for all three categories is to see the work of the Son. So God sends His Son. And, and Jesus makes us come of age because in the first category, Jesus' sacrifice is, is done once and for all and no other sacrifice needs to be made. Jesus paid the price for your sin. And once you 
ask Him to forgive you of your sin, the Scripture says He'll wash you white as snow. And that's why Scripture says those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. As you confess you're a sinner, um, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And He can do it now because Jesus paid for your sin. Uh, the second group who's trying to connect with this eternal being, they see that there's only one way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. And He helps them um, break away from anxiety, worry of trying to gain their own salvation. They see salvation is only through Christ. And the second group actually sees that, that the payment was made. Uh, why overlook this awesome payment and try to pay it yourself? So every group comes of age in Christ. How? Number one, Jesus redeems us. We come of age through the Son by Him redeeming us. Jesus removes all penalty or debt. He pays it in full. The craziest thing about the cross, when Jesus died, He paid the price for all sin that was sin that had been done that, and sin that was been done and was to come. That's how powerful. And that's why it was so crazy the weight that Jesus took on the cross. He took on our sin. Um, and, and of course, God would have said to him, if you live, they die. But, but if you die, they'll live. And, and he dies for us and he redeems us. Um, in a sense, you and I, before Jesus, we belong to the law. We're trying to fulfill the law. We're trying to obey the law. We're trying to be better. And we keep failing the law. The law exposes that we're never going to be good enough. Uh, and we are obligated to keep it, but we cannot. So, so God sends His Son, born of a woman, a real human being, and He sent Him to be born under the law. You understand? Because we were under the law. So Jesus comes under the law, and, and Jesus was born and, um, and in, a, in the same state as human beings are, in the obligation to obey God's law. Jesus was uniquely able to not only obey the law, but to then redeem us under the law. So, so you know, God's over everything here, but God came under what we're under. He defeated it, and now He's over everything. And now you don't have to live under that burden anymore because Jesus lifted that burden. And, and you can now, as a son, receive the free gift of salvation. To, to redeem is to release a slave from his or her owner by paying the slave's full price. And our owner, in a way, was was the law. Say, so if you and I were in a marketplace, they said, whose slave is this? The law would come and say, they're mine. That's my slave. And, but Jesus then says, I'll pay you. How much is it for them? It's death. I'll do it. I'll pay for them. And he takes us away from that slave owner. And now, you know, I don't know if you know the story about one of the American presidents. Um, I can't remember his name, but he buys this slave and and um, the, the slave comes to him and he, he ends up paying for it. And then he gives the slave papers to be free. The slave was blown away. He says, but you paid for me. He says, yeah, I paid for your freedom. That slave said, Yaron, you've made me free, but I'd rather be with you. Like you're the person I'd rather work with the rest of my life. And, and that slave in their freedom stayed with that person. And, and for us, you know, in our freedom, we can so easily, like Paul said, walk away and try to gain our own one. But, but we need to see what Jesus did. We need to see that, 
that we're not a slave anymore, but now we've got a savior that we can serve. We've got the, the best savior. And so, so he releases us and we are not a slave anymore. Jesus pays a full price to the law and he completely fulfills the law's demands. The, the law demands death. Death will pay for this. He completely fulfills it. So he's able to free us. The second thing Jesus does, Jesus ensures us the full rights of sons. And of course, like I said, the word there, I put sons and daughters. Um, we, we're adopted as sons or daughters. Through Christ, we receive our sonship. Um, so literally, we receive um, the sonship. Uh, the way we receive it, it's actually in a legal way. It's a, a legal term. And, and the, the, at the moment of adoption, we cease to be slaves. Um, we, we not only are no longer slaves, but we're sons and daughters. So, so now the, the person who bought us, everything they own, we own. Everything that they have access to, we have access to. So, so you have to see it. Jesus not only pays the price for your sin, he opens up the windows of heaven. He says, you're an heir. You're, to all, all this is in your, your inheritance one day. This is all yours. So legally now, you're not a slave anymore, but you're now also a child of God. You're a son or a daughter. Your dad is Jesus. He sits on the throne. The earth is his footstool. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this that the storm, he says, peace, be still. This is Jesus. Who is this one walking on? This is your father now. He is over everything. You can be at peace. You don't have to be anxious and worried anymore. You have a father who's in control of everything. Now, in the Greco-Roman world, uh, a childless, wealthy man could, uh, could take one of his servants and adopt him. And, and as soon as he adopts that servant, that servant has legal privileges um, the, uh, to the whole estate. And even outside, as he walks in the world, they now relate to him as the son of that man. That's exactly what happens to us once we receive Jesus. We are now, we can't see it sometimes, but, but in heaven they see there's another son, there's another son, there's a daughter, there's a child of God walking. They've got, they, they, um, they, legally are, can, they legally are owners of this whole estate and of all that God has. And, and, and heaven relates to us as children of God. As children of God. And, and there are massive privileges for us. It's a new life of privilege uh, that Jesus gives to us. So Paul wants to show the Galatians, not only did Christ remove the curse that we deserved, the penalty for sin, but he also gives us the blessing that Jesus deserved. That's what sonship does for us. That's what being a child of God is not only does he take the penalty of your sin, he gives you access to everything he deserves. It's, it's like you are a slave, you're in the marketplace and law owns you and Jesus walks into that place and you're standing in chains. Jesus pays you, takes the chains off, gets you to stand in front and gives you a medal of honor. Why? Because you're gonna receive everything Jesus deserves. It's quite a humbling thought. Sometimes we don't want to even go there. We think it's, it's heresy in a way. Yeah? Why would I deserve what Christ deserves? He's saying, you don't. 
but Jesus gives you access to it because God looks at you now like He looks at His one and only Son. Because the, 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 the reason adoption happened a lot in that Roman times was because they had no son. So, so as soon as they had no heir, and as soon as they bought that slave, that was their one and only son. When, Jesus, when you accept Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus looks at you just like that, that person who bought that slave would look at. He'd say, you're my one and only son. Jesus looks at us like he looks at his one and only son. And so even for you right now, even in this moment, as you have worry and stress and things that you're overwhelmed by, you need to come to God as his one and only child and, and actually speak to him like that. Like there's nothing else he's looking at. And God is so big, that's how he looks at you. Like you are his one and only child because he looks at you like he looks at Jesus. Because he doesn't see your sin or your past. He sees Jesus' sacrifice. So you receive everything Jesus made available. How awesome it is to live like that. Wake up and actually wake up every morning and say, Jesus, thank you that I'm your one and only daughter. I'm your one and only son. Of course, we don't become selfish and self-obsessed, but we become free in that moment. We received and welcomed as heroes as if we accomplished extraordinary deeds. But the only way we get there is we see that our inheritance isn't a price to be won. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. And so we have this battle where we keep it very unemotional. We keep our salvation legal, but we don't ever let it become head knowledge and heart knowledge. We keep it on the outside. It's our Christian walk. We come on Sundays, we remind you and you go, amen, you're right, Andre. My sins are forgiven. I'm a one and only child. But you go out here and emotionally, your rest of your week, everything that's mentally and emotionally experienced is actually opposite to that. And you don't even realize that you get back to trying to achieve so that you can be accepted by God again. Meanwhile, you're his one and only child. You don't have to try harder now. It's already been done. And, and so the third thing Paul, Paul points out is God sends His Spirit to work in us to have the experience of a son. That's the beauty. So God sends Jesus to pay for us and sort out the legal stuff. Goes to the marketplace, pray, pays for us and puts a medal of honor on us. And then He sends Jesus so that what's happened on the outside gets into the inside. And the Holy Spirit's part is that you it mentally and emotionally start to live like a child of God. Start to personally have the experience of a child of God. So, so the work of the Son is, is not influenced by feelings. It's legal. So you might say, Andre, I don't feel free. It's never been connected to your feelings. It's all been connected to what Jesus did on the cross. Your freedom is, what, is connected to what Jesus did. You can't feel more free. Jesus made you free. If you've accepted him as your father, you're free. It's not connected to your feelings. It's a legal condition. This is yours whether you feel it or not. But the beauty of it is that Jesus then says, I'm going to go and I'm going to send someone. I'm gonna, it's going to be better for you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit brings an experience of a son to you experience of a daughter, of a child. And that's why it says the Spirit leads us to call Abba Father. It's a, it's a, 
it's a term that was used specifically when Jesus spoke to God. So even the crowd would go, Jesus spoke like that. Who gives us the right to speak to God like that? And it's, it's now you're, you're a child of God and you've got the Spirit of God. Spirit of God causes you to now call out like God called out to the Father. Because you now, like Jesus, are a child of God. And so just like a child confidently calls out, my, our daughters would call to us, believing we love them and are going to give them whatever they need. You can call out your heavenly Father. And we earthly parents give good gifts. How much more will your Father in heaven give you what you ask for, Scripture says. You now, because of the Spirit, start to call out confidently as a child of God. It's an it's a actual passion. It's a feeling. And, and, it, and it, it actually, it, it's, it's continuously fed in prayer. And I'm going to give you some basic steps to take so that you can stay in this space. Um, but, but in the scripture, if you're studying it, the, as, the, as God says, the Spirit gives you this ability to cry out, Abba, Father, it's this crying out of a child who's, got, who's confident in love and assurance. And God wants to give you that. You've actually got it. But you're going to have to start to practice it. You're going to have to start to let, because you will feel, sometimes you'll be driving and you'll just want to say, Dad, thank you for loving me. Or Dad, I need this. And, and you're going to have this confidence. You know where it's coming from. It's because God not only sent His Son to pay for your sins, it's because He sent His Spirit so that you can actually start to think and feel like a child of God, like a, like a son. So even as you have the Holy Spirit, God enables us to speak confidently of His love, of His assurance, and, 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 and so we start to live in the privileges. What are the privileges? What are the rights of, 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 a, of sonship? Well, we have intimacy of relationship. Because now you've got the Holy Spirit, you can have an intimate relationship with God. How cool is this? Because of the legal work Jesus has done for you, you have, um, have authority over possessions. You have an inheritance. Um, we can be bold, we can be confident. So we have a confidence boldness every day. Our sonship removes the fear of missing fulfillment and losing approval that is at the root of our disobedience. We're not going to be afraid of some plan conceived behind closed doors because you're a son. You, you're an heir to the throne. You don't now live in fear. What, you know, this country's going to go to this and, and this is going to happen and I'm going to lose all it. No, no. You're a child of God. You've got an inheritance. You can enjoy serving wherever you are. You can be generous. You can overflow. You can be diligent. You work hard, but you're a child of God. You, you've got favour on your life. Um, God who's for you is greater than the world world that's against you. You've got more going for you than what's against you. You've got so much to be grateful for, so much to be confident about. And like I mentioned, we're treated as if we're only sons, like Jesus. God will honour us as, we, as He honours His uh, one and only Son. So to, to now actually live as a child of God, live and, and also experience this freedom two basic things I encourage you to do to live in it number one we must put aside significant time to study the work of the son 
If you are a son, if you are a daughter of God, if you are a child of God, I want to encourage you to start reading the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Study it. See how the Son prays, how the Son lives. See how He interacts with His Father and say, see how you should live because you are also a son and a daughter of God. Get a study Bible. Study study Bible helps you understand context. And, but, but start to study those Gospels and see how the Son lives because you have got freedom to live as a son and a daughter of God. And you can enjoy the season. No matter what you're facing, no matter what the age, no matter what the storms that happens in the economy, you are a child of God. Jesus slept in the storm. That's what sons and daughters do. They have peace even in a storm. They have the presence of God. And you can live like that as well. Because you know that you're destined for heaven. And the second thing is, and this might be something you've never done, and I encourage you to start doing it. We must cry out to our Father spontaneously throughout the day. You don't have to do it in the middle of a meeting. That'd be weird. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but even in traffic, if you're going for a walk, when you wake up, cry out to your Father. Speak to God. I encourage you, don't act like a slave. Slaves don't cry out to their Father. But sons and daughters do. Because they are assured of their father's love. Why don't you cry out and stir up the spirit of a child in you continuously and let that confidence rise? Because I promise you, even as you cry out to Abba Father, as you cry out to Him, the Holy Spirit does His work and He assures you that you are God's child. And so He floods your heart with life-changing assurance. You sow that cry and you reap confidence. You sow that cry and you reap assurance. You sow that cry and you'll experience His love. Romans 8 verse 16, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. As you cry out, God will say, yes, you are my child. Yes, you are my child. And I encourage you just to do those two simple things. Do you want to close your eyes quickly? If you're in this place and, and maybe you have not asked Jesus to pay the price for your sin, you're actually trying to pay your own price. And you haven't seen that Jesus legally can set you free. The payment has been made on the cross. You can access it by asking Him to forgive you of your sins. And maybe you need to cry out to God today so He can save you. Confess that you're a sinner so that He can forgive you of your sins and that you can receive the Holy Spirit, that will, the Spirit that helps you to experience the life of a son and a daughter. If that's you and you want me to lead you in prayer, I'm gonna pray a prayer, a com make a, a confession um, that where you confess that Jesus is the Son of God. If, if that's what you need to do right now, you need to come back to God. Why don't you give me a wave? So that's me, Andre. I need to actually ask Him to forgive me of my sins. I need to come back to God. I need to receive my forgiveness. Anyone, God bless you. Anyone else? 
Just anyone, just give me a wave. So that's me. Include me in that prayer. I, I need to receive Jesus as my Savior. If you're not sure of your salvation, if you don't know um, if you are going to heaven and you want to receive your forgiveness this morning, if that's you, just give me a wave and say, awesome. Let's pray together. Jesus, I confess that You are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised You from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved, that I'm changed, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, I receive my forgiveness and I receive You, Holy Spirit. Thank You that I'm a child of God. Amen. Come on, let's just thank Jesus in this place. Thank you, Jesus.